Hello and welcome to worship today here at Trinity United Methodist Church. My name is Wade Giffen, one of the pastors. It's my honor to welcome you today. I'm here on a construction site on the Ohio State University as we are in a series called Build My Life. We're thinking about what does it mean to constantly be building our lives, especially as we think about our values. We're gonna continue that conversation today as we turn now to worship. Hello everyone, welcome to Trinity. If you all would stand with us as we begin our worship together.
a seat. Welcome to Worship Church. It's so good to see each and every one of you here. Welcoming you to Worship at Trinity United Methodist Church. If you're in the room or if you are online, you are welcome here. We're so thankful for what God is doing in your lives and in the life of this church. My name is Katie Wheat. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. I'm the one who gets to say hi to you today. Um, we'd love to know if you are here with us, uh, not so we can spam you throughout the week, but just so we can say hi and um, check in if we haven't seen you in a while and celebrate the fact that you are present with us in worship today. So if you would let us know uh, that you're present, there's a couple different ways you can do that. If you are online, friends, you can let us know via the online connection card. And if you are here in person, there's a number on the screen. And then there's also always below the screen. If you have something else you want to tell us throughout uh, the worship service, you can text the word here, H-E-R-E, -E, to that number. If you've been here before, and if you are brand new, uh, another welcome to you today. Thank you for being our guest. Um, you can text the word hello, H-E-L-L-O, to that number, um, and we'll say hi to you sometime this week. We are continuing a conversation that Pastor Wade has been leading called Build My Life. We're having conversations about what does it mean to build our lives on the values of Jesus, and Pastor Wade's going to talk about what the kingdom values most. It's a really energizing conversation. I'm excited that you get to hear it. Um, and we're just going to continue to worship now because we get to celebrate a baptism. So I'm going to invite the family of Maya Grace to come forward. Um, baptism makes us part of the church. It incorporates us into the story that God is telling about who God is and about how much God loves us. And all of this is God's gift to us that's offered to us without price. It's not something that we could earn. It's not something that we deserve. It's something that God gives to us freely because uh, God deeply loves us. So this is Maya right here. And these are her parents. This is Craig and Jenna. And this is um, her godmother, Missy. And so we're so thankful for them. And I've got some questions for you. Um, thank you for letting us be part of this milestone in Maya's faith. So I've got some questions for you. So as you think about making a commitment to God and as you think about making a promise to Maya, I ask you on behalf of the whole church, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? If so, please say, I do. Amen. Do you accept the freedom and the power that God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? If so, please say, I do. And do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior? Do you put your whole trust in his grace and promise to serve him as your Lord in union with the church, which Christ opens to people of all ages, all nations, and all races? If so, please say, I do. Amen. And will you nurture Maya in Christ's holy church, that by your teaching and example, she may be guided to accept God's grace for herself, to profess her faith openly, and to lead a Christian life? If so, please say, I will. Trinity, remember that this baptism is bigger than just the Ford family. This is not just about them and God. It involves and incorporates all of us, all of us who are this church family. It helps us to remember and to make a commitment to continue to welcome them and care for them, to help them to live in the baptism vows that they have made. So it's about them and God and all of us together because we are Maya's church family. So I ask you, on behalf of the whole church, do you reaffirm both your rejection of sin and your commitment to Jesus Christ? If so, please say, we do. And will you nurture Maya who is before you in the Christian faith and life? Will you care for her? 
Will you proclaim to her the good news? Will you live in front of Maya the example of Christ? Will you surround her with a community of love and forgiveness so that she may know and then grow in her service to others? Will you pray for her that she may become a true disciple who walks in the way that leads to life? If you will do this, please say, we will with God's help. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious God, you have used water throughout the ages as an enduring symbol of your goodness and your grace. The water of creation, which sculpts all we see, the waters of the flood, which save your faithful people, the water of the Red Sea, parted for baptism, the water of the womb, which carried our Savior Jesus, and the water of baptism, which Jesus himself received, and which he calls us to receive as well. So God, we pray that you will pour out your Holy Spirit on this gift of water and the one who is about to receive it. We ask God that you will bless it, that you will bless and abide with those who will receive it, that you would wash away her sin, clothe her with righteousness throughout her life, that dying and being raised with Christ, she may share in Christ's final victory. Amen. Amen. You hear all the kids in the church that are cheering for you, Maya? You want to come see me? What is this sweet baby girl's name? Maya Grace. I baptize you in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Will you lay your hands on her? Maya, may the Holy Spirit work within you, that being born of water and the Spirit, you may become a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Friends, this is Maya. Maya, mommy and daddy are right there. We're not going too far away, okay? This is Maya. This is our newest sister in Christ. Will you give her a big round of applause? Maya, this is your church family. These are the people who are going to love you and be fine when you're loud in church, right, church family? Right. And who are going to celebrate you and be there for you when you get confirmed and teach you in Trinity Kids. They love you, and we love you. We're so thankful for you, sweet girl. All right. Thank you so much, Ford family, for letting us be part of Maya's life. We love you guys. All right, let's continue to worship God. While they're having a seat, I invite you to stand up. Trust the 
hands together and pray. Christ alone, you are our cornerstone. So many things pull on our hearts. So many things try to get all of our attention. So many things try to claim that they're the thing we should build our life on. But God, we want to build our life on you, on your grace, on your power, on your never-ending love, on your steadfast mercy and your steadfast faithfulness, on your blood, on the power of who you are, knowing that in the end it's you. So God, in this hour, Move our hearts. Prepare us. Do whatever you need to do in each of us so that our hearts can be built and our lives can be built on you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So there's a lot to celebrate going on here at Trinity. Um, first wanted to say that in the first service at 9 a.m., we celebrated the confirmation of 14 students, uh, which is something to praise God for. Many of them would normally be here in this worship space with us, but they all wanted to get confirmed in the same, uh, in the same worship service, so they were all down there at 9. Um, so if you see uh, one of the students who got confirmed in the next couple weeks, just give them a big handshake and a hug, because what they did today was really incredible. They stood up in front of the whole church and affirmed a faith that was claimed for them in their baptism, and that's no small thing, and so we're really celebrating that today. A um, few things I want you to know about what's going on here at Trinity coming up. Um, first is that Thursday edition, which is our program for adults of retirement age, and I'll say parenthetically, I'm going to let y'all sort out for yourselves who is who in that group, okay? I'm sorry if I sent you an email and you're not retired, I don't know, So, but we want you to be at Thursday edition. It happens the first and the third Sundays of, um, of every month. And what we do there is we get together, we have an awesome program, a speaker who shares about a topic of faith, reflects from their own life, and we eat together, and we just have a great time. So um, if you are of retirement age, whatever that means to you, you are welcome here in this room uh, this Thursday, May 19th, around 11.15, um, and we're going to be hearing from Reverend Katya Bradbeck. Um, who some of you remember, she was an intern here at Trinity a couple years ago. Um, well, not a couple years ago, like many, many years ago, because she's been ordained for several years. Um, she's serving now at Powell United Methodist Church. Um, but uh, Pastor Katya is going to share from her unique perspective as someone who was born in Russia, who lives in the U.S. now, and so she's a faith leader, and she's going to be thinking and working with us around faithful reactions and perspectives to the war in Ukraine. And so we're really excited to hear what Katya has to say. Um, so we hope that you can come. Um, you can sign up in a couple different ways. There's a QR code on the chair in front of you if you scan that. 
Um, you can sign up that way, and you can also sign up down the hall at the Welcome Center. There's a paper sign-up if that's more your speed, whatever. Um, and then second thing we want you to know is that Vacation Bible School registration is still open. This year we are having conversations with our kids about how we are wild about God and God is wild about them. I've heard a hint that, fingers crossed, some animals might be showing up. I don't know. Um, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, the 20th, 22nd, 24th, there's a morning and an afternoon session. Again, you can register your kid, your grandkid, your neighbor kid for that. Scan the QR code and uh, get yourself signed up. I want to say thank you to you. Um, this church is full of life. Um, this church is full of life. It is full of God doing incredible things. And it is full of um, opportunities to move forward in faith. And that's because of y'all, because of the ways that you show up and because of the ways that you are faithful in your giving um, and your willingness to be a servant to other people. Um, so there's opportunities before us to give now in this worship service. It's never been easier to do that. Um, there's like 17 different ways you can give to the church if you feel called today. Just a few of them are on the screen. If you brought a physical offering with you, there's a basket just outside the worship space. You can text. There's a giving kiosk. You can give online. Um, you don't have to give. It's not something that we demand of you, but it's an invitation um, that we extend to you, hoping that God is moving and working in your heart, um, calling you to continue to serve the church. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing one more song, and then Pastor Wade's going to lead us in the message. So let's pray now. God, we're so thankful for the ways that you continually make yourself known to us in baptism, in confirmation, in this time of worship, throughout our week as we gather with others and tell about what you have done for us and who you are for us. God, I pray that you would continue to be among us and guide us through our giving that what we give now is an expression of our thankfulness for who you are and our willingness to be faithful to you. God, I pray over these gifts and over each one of our lives that what we give and who we are and how we serve you might be seen as good and faithful in your eyes and that we might use it and work together for the good of your kingdom. We pray all of this in Jesus' name and for his sake. of doubt stealing my sleep I'm wearing down without any relief tired eyes and a tangled up soul feeling lost I don't know you keep on trying to soothe my grief but all that's left is a borrowed belief the truth I need not another cliche what is my hope for a steady are madness and still they keep me captive the more that I discover the more
How about giving the worship team some love, huh? How you doing, church? It is good to see you. My name is Wade Giffen. If we've not had a chance to meet, look forward to making that opportunity and making that um, connection. Hey, I just need to say something about confirmation last hour. Where's Aaron? Aaron? Um, Aaron's up in the booth. He was one of our leaders for our confirmation, and um, I just want to love on Aaron a little bit. Man, you, you did a great job. Here's the thing that I really experienced, Aaron, that was Katie and I talked about after the service is uh, you never know what the facial expressions of teenagers are going to be when they come to the very front of the church and get up on the platform and, you know, kneel down for their confirmation. But I think part of what, what, what Pastor Katie said about them wanting to be with each other in one service, and that's why we got some holes in here, um, it really was a part of the community that they had built. And as they came forward um, and, and knelt down, 
there was just this kind of joy in their faces, and it really, really stood out to me. So, Trinity, you're doing good work and good ministry, um, and uh, <clears throat> we're reaching, uh, we're reaching more and more people for the for the good news and the love of Jesus Christ. So, I'm gonna um, continue a little bit in the series we're in, but uh, before we do that, I think it might be important, even though we know the Holy Spirit's here, to give the brother a little help today as we do that. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for the gift of this day, the opportunity for us to be together, for to celebrate so many things in the life of this church, um, and, uh, and and for the good news that we are able to, to share. Will you, will you visit us with your Holy Spirit in a way that we're really clearly knowing and experiencing and feeling that, and especially would you help me this day, so that whatever words I bring, um, you'll turn into your word for us today. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we're in this uh, series right now called Build My Life, and in these several weeks, we've been talking about Trinity, our church. We've been talking a little bit about our ministries. Um, I spent a whole week talking about the state of the church, where we are now, and we're exploring what it is that God is calling us to do and be. What is our purpose, and what do we value as a church? So last week, we began to talk about the words core values. And we're going to continue to explore core values this week to set the groundwork for next Sunday. And next Sunday is when I'm going to actually talk about the work we've done around what are the core values of Trinity United Methodist Church. What are our core values? Now, if you missed all that stuff in the last couple of weeks on core values, just remember there's always a rebroadcast available in the sermon archives. And if you're a person that, you know, like I am, when you spend time in a car, you always like to have a podcast on. Uh, remember that Trinity has a podcast and uh, just the sermon portions are available as well if you'd like to catch up. But there's one thing from the last couple of weeks that I want to continue to advance every single week as we go through this journey. And that what is the purpose of core values? Why are we even talking about that for our own lives and for the church? And kind of the image that we've been, been working with is that core values are kind of guardrails that give us, give us, we know where the edges are, right? And they kind of help guide and direct our path so that we can keep our eye on the prize, that we can have the greatest impact because we're staying inside these guardrails that God is leading us on. And we're not just going to chase any flashy object that catches our eyes, but stay, stay on task. And that's important in our personal lives. And I think it's also really important for the life of, of a congregation like ours. So this week, we're going to explore the values of the kingdom of God. Last week, remember, we talked about personal core values. This is the kingdom about the kingdom of God. What are the core values of the kingdom of God? What are important values we glean from the life and the teaching of Jesus? What do we see in the whole of the Bible and what implications does it have for us as we claim that we are followers of Jesus? Well, um, do you think that might be a monumental task? <laughs> Absolutely it is. I mean, to think that we could grab a Bible, look at Jesus' teaching, take into consideration everything that's represented in Scripture, and say, here's a list of the five core values of the kingdom of God. By the way, that's impossible because, you know, that's what I wanted to do today. But I recognize that it was a monumental task. Um, because what we're tempted to do 
is to say, what are these five or what are these six core values of the kingdom of God? And if I had a sense for what they are, maybe I could just narrow the focus of my faith journey down to paying attention to these six things. And if I could get in line with that, then I got it figured out. But it's uh, so much more than that. I mean, there's those obvious ones, right? We know that a core value of the kingdom of God is love. There is no question about that. Or what about forgiveness? Uh, maybe acceptance. Maybe a core value of the kingdom of God is something like reconciliation. Experiencing God's grace. Having a sense of God's mercy. And that list could go on forever. So it is an impossible task to take all of the things of Scripture and say, here, here are the values. Well, guess what? Jesus knew that too. He understood that as well. Because remember, when Jesus came on the scene, the, the religious people had the Torah, the first five books of what we call the Old Testament. And what, what it was clear is that it was impossible to be able to live up to the letter of that law, nonetheless even be able to understand the values in all of that. And so one of the things that I realized in preparation for today is that there's a couple of scriptures in the Bible that already did the job for me. They are there. One that we see in two scriptures I want to look at today. One is, is, comes from Jesus himself who helps us with that. And the second one from the Apostle Paul. And uh, we'll, take, we'll take a look at those. But I want to begin by saying I think there is a primary core value for the kingdom of God. There is one primary core value from which all others flow and move. And that core value is love. Uh, love is at the forefront of everything we see. Love that radiates from God is what we see in Christ. And it might feel a little simplistic, or maybe you're getting a little bit hopeful that Wade will just say, okay, it's love, good news, let's go home, right? <laughs> but that is the primary piece from which everything else was. It's, it's the primary um, core value of the kingdom. I mean, let me give you a couple of examples of where we see that. What is probably the most familiar scripture passage um, that is known from the Christian faith is John three sixteen, right? You all know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. What does it say? For God so loved. Do you see that the motivation for Jesus came from God's heart and the love that God has and has for us? And I'm reminded uh, in another place, just as another example, in uh, the letter to the first letter to the Corinthians, over there in chapter 13, when Paul um, is teaching uh, what we often call it is the love chapter. If you've ever been to a wedding, chances are you've heard the love chapter, right? First Corinthians 13. You know that one, love is patient, love is kind, love is not arrogant or envious or boastful. Or rude. You, you know that passage. And Paul spends a significant amount of time trying to help followers of Jesus understand what love is. What does it look like? But he also tells us what it doesn't look like, so we get it clear. But what we often miss, especially at weddings, because we can't seem to stick with the reading all the way to the end, is the punchline. And you know what the punchline of 1 Corinthians 13 is? It's not verses 4 to 8. 
it's the last verse, verse 13, when Paul writes this, faith, hope, and love abide these three, and then he says this, but the greatest of these is what? Love. Is everywhere in the scriptures, because essentially, I mean, love leads. It comes from God's heart. That's what drives the whole deal where we are. And so the first passage that I want to look at that help us think about what are the core values of the kingdom of God comes from Matthew 22 and 36, if you're following along or you got your Bible with you. Now I want to give a little context to the story. Jesus has been doing a whole lot of teaching leading up to this moment. We get in Matthew a whole lot of parables being taught right before we get to this moment. And the intention of those parables is to try to describe what the kingdom of God looks like. And when you describe what the kingdom of God looks like, you might actually pick up what some of the values of the kingdom are. And so when we get to the text we have today, um, Jesus has been put in a situation. And, and the situation is this. He has been set against the religious authorities of the time. They are at odds in this moment with Jesus. Because what's going on for the Pharisees and for the Sadducees and for the, and for the religious leaders of the day, they are feeling threatened. They are feeling that the law and everything they know about religious practice, this Jesus guy is threatening everything they know. And what is a typical response for human beings like you and me when we feel like all our stuff is being threatened? We fight. We push back. We try to exert our own power and pressure. So what did they do? They decided they were going to try to trap Jesus with a question. They were going to get him. This is a gotcha moment in his life. They were sure that they had the right question. But you know what? It didn't work out because Jesus replied to them with something that was right out of their tradition. So there's, there's the context. And now I want to read uh, these just five verses to you. So it's Matthew 22 and 36. starts like this. Teacher, what commandment in the law is the greatest? Do you see the trap? What in the law is the greatest? And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and the first commandment. He just destroyed the trap right there for him. And then he says this, and the second is like this. Now, this is an extension. They weren't quite ready for this one. He said, you shall love your neighbor as yourself on these two commandments. Here, here, check this out. He says, on these two commandments hangs all of the law and the prophets. On these two commandments, we might say for our purposes around kingdom values, on these two commandments, therein we find all the values of the kingdom of God. Does that make sense? Love God and love your neighbor. So look at what he's doing here. He is putting love as primary. And he, we are learning that love is the a, appropriate response to God being God's faithful people. Not just loving God a little or on moments of our week, but loving God with everything we have. Do you see how it is, it is extended to heart and soul and mind? And here's the thing that may not be completely obvious immediately for Christian folk like us. Do you realize that love your God with all your heart, soul, and mind 
comes from Deuteronomy in the Old Testament, and it is the prayer that faithful Jewish folks pray three times a day. I mean, he went right to, it's called the Shema. He went right to the Shema as they tried to, to trap him. And then the game changer part. That's that second part they didn't expect. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's the new part. Now, there's even a place in Scripture related to this teaching where Jesus gets asked the obvious question. Who is my neighbor? Right? You know, I mean, they want to get it right because their religious tradition is all about following the rules, following the law, getting it right. And so do you remember how Jesus responded to that question? He told him a story, a parable, uh, the story of the prodigal uh, or of the uh, good Samaritan. Now, I don't have time to unpack that, but I, I want to point out one sharp piece of that parable about the good Samaritan. <clears throat> um, who did Jesus choose to name as the good neighbor, the neighbor who loves in that story? He picked the Samaritan. Do you know why he picked the Samaritan? Because the Samaritans and the Jews hated each other. I mean, not just a little, but a lot. And what does that despised Samaritan do in Jesus' story? He loves on a Jew. I mean, this was horrible for them to hear. He loves on a Jew who's been beaten and left for dead at the side of the road. And the point was made. You have got to love your neighbor, even if it's one of those disgusting Samaritans. Now, the second thing that he does is, um, is the hard work of trying to, pin down and trying to pin down the values of the kingdom of God. Um, it's like, here's these two things. If you get this stuff right, you are going to be kind of, you're going to be living in those guardrails of the kingdom of God. Love God with all you got and love your neighbor as yourself. Even those disgusting, I don't know, who would you call disgusting right now? You all thought of somebody when I said that. Be honest, right? Who do you despise? Is there a, is there a group of folks you don't want to be included? Is there a group of of people that, that you find on the outside are disgusting or you just don't like them? We all have that stuff. And for them, it was the Samaritans. I mean, who are our Samaritans? It's a pretty, pretty good question for you to think about. Um, so we have plenty of people that we just want to label that way. You're not fully in kingdom values without loving even those who are hard to love, without loving those who you find disgusting. That's it, man. Love leads in the kingdom of God. So, how do we know? How do we know how we're doing? How do we know um, if we're living inside these values of the kingdom of God? And that's where I reached for the second passage we have for today. And that, that second one is one of those famous Paul passages. And um, you'll know this because it's been the inspiration for many needle art projects <laughs> or quilts or wall hangings. You know, that's the fruit of the Spirit. Y'all know it, right? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. 
So as usual, Paul has been giving one of those famous lists to help us live life inside the values of the kingdom of God. And sometimes we say it this way, living life in the spirit. And the section in, in um, Galatians that comes right before this one is really inform informative as to how we see this. Because what Paul does first is gives a big list of behaviors that are on the outside of the guardrails, right? Not inside, but on the outside. And after we get through what's a rather graphic list, gang, we get this beautiful contrast, which tells us that we are able to measure are living the values of the kingdom because why? Because when we're living kingdom values, it's going to bear fruit in the world. And that fruit, he says, is going to look like this. And then he gives us the list. Now, one of the things that we don't really see in an English translation of Galatians that scholars say is pretty clear when we look at the text is that in this list, you know, you know, uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Did y'all learn a song when you were younger to be able to be able to do that? Somehow I got skipped in the song, and so I have a harder time than you do saying all of the fruits of the Spirit. But what we don't really see clearly is that is that love in the list is giving a given a more of a primary spot when it's written. It's almost like a heading or a, a text to get ready for the rest, which makes us understand that love is primary and from love all the other fruit will flow um, love is the first fruit of the kingdom of god maybe we could say it that way and without love what will, what would the rest be so the task of the spiritual life then is to grow deeper in the jesus way to find ourselves living inside of the value guardrails of the kingdom of God and looking to see if we are bearing the kind of fruit that kingdom people bear in the world. No one arrives at a particular spot all at once. It's a gradual process of surrendering our lives a little bit more and more and more um, over to Jesus. So if you feel like you are, you are not bearing all of the fruit of the Spirit, that you are not living exactly inside the guardrails, here's the good news. Your time's not up yet. You still got time to work on that. One of the things I said to the confirmation kids, uh, students, in the um, last service was um, this reminder that, that they really have not arrived at a place because they finally finished their confirmation class and got confirmed today. Because confirmation is, is a new beginning is a new start. It's the beginning of a new chapter in their lives, and they're going to do this for the rest of their lives. You know, the founder of the Methodist movement, John Wesley, um, this was really one of the major theological frameworks for who we are as we call ourselves Methodists these days, and he taught it regularly. We still use it. He had a fancy name for it. He called it sanctifying grace. You've heard that me say that before, sanctifying grace, and here's the idea of that. Once we become aware of God in our lives, and, and John goes out of his way to say, God is present and wooing us even before we even have any sense that God even exists. God's already working in our lives. And then when we come to the place that we recognize that and we say yes to that relationship with Jesus, then we spend the rest of our lives working that out. We spend the rest of our lives surrendering over to the Lordship of Jesus bit by bit, as we go along sanctifying grace as he called it 
is experiencing God's grace in our lives that's active all the time and transforming us all through um, that journey. So, if you were coming today hoping I would give you a list of five or six things that are the values of the kingdom of God, sorry, not sorry. <laughs> because how could you ever contain the kingdom of God in just five or six values? But, but on the other hand, then how do I get a handle on what the kingdom of God is like? You know, I, I, wanna, I wanna live in that place of grace with Jesus, but, but yet you can't give me the list to follow. Remember, the answer to that question is what Jesus teaches when he says you got to love God with all you got. And you got to love your neighbor as yourself. And, and, and Trinity, if, if, we could, if we could just focus on getting some of that stuff right, we might actually be living inside the values of the kingdom. And, and then we'll be careful to check for the fruits of that effort. Do we see love? as a part of who we are? Do we see self-control? Do we see patience? You know, all of the fruits of the Spirit. So Trinity, as we move into our God-preferred future, the, the Trinity core values that I will share next Sunday um, that we've been working on for nearly two years in the Leadership Board, um, they are intended to give our congregation a kind of focus, to know what the guardrails are, so that we can know the clear direction that God is calling us and leading us and needing from us as a church. So that our ministry could be focused, that it could be sharp, that we can keep our eye on the prize, and that we can keep moving in that way. So between now and next Sunday, here's your assignment. <laughs> For now, hey y'all, go love God with all you got. Not just your spare time or your spare change. <laughs> love God with all you got, heart, soul, and mind. And, and go love your neighbor too even the one that you despise. Find a way to love them as well. And then I'm gonna bet if you do those two things, you're gonna see some fruit of that effort in your life as well. And you'll have a lot of joy.